Hi, and welcome to Journeys to Belonging podcast with host Dr. Eileen Winokur, featuring awesome educators and leaders who share their journeys, advice, and personal stories about feeling a sense of belonging. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Belonging. On this episode, I have somebody I met about a year ago, and her name is Sadia Qureshi. We met because I was involved and started donating to an organization called Preemptive Love, a nonprofit that we'll talk about uh, during this podcast episode. But I was really interested in some of the community activities that they were organizing. And Sadia reached out to me as the gathering coordinator. And we met and we've been chatting back and forth ever since. We're both really busy, but we try to keep in touch as much as we can. Welcome, Sadia. I'm so excited to have you on my podcast today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me and thinking of me and, um, you know, keeping in contact with me this year. I know it's been a, a weird year in various fashions, so um, it's just, just been a joy to know you. Very yes, happy. yeah, same here. So I didn't really say much about what you do, what you're doing, where you are. Um, share with our listeners. Well, um, I am a Pakistani Muslim American. I was born in Pakistan. I came here when I was about three years old. And then um, we used to live up north, Pennsylvania, Virginia. And then when I was eight, I moved to Orlando. And I've lived here since then, which is like a whole bunch of years, like 30 something-ish years. So. Orlando is home. I mm -hmm. live here with my family. I have two daughters. One is 18, one is 14. And um, that's, that's about it. I'm formally trained. I went to school for environmental engineering. Um, I worked in the field for a while. Then I stayed at home for a while. And then serendipitously, I was um, connected with preemptive love. And now I work as a peacemaker. I, I feel like I've always been a peacemaker, but um, now I work in an official capacity as a peacemaker. Um, my official title is a gathering coordinator and gatherings are small group peacemaking groups, gatherings <laughs> that meet monthly and we help encourage these groups to keep going and support the co-hosts and do all the things that are surrounded, that, surrounding that. Um, and that's about it. That's, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> Sadia, you make it sound so easy, but I know it's lots more than that. And we'll get into that a little bit more too, because I know from your contact with me that it's a bit more than that. So the first question I always ask my guests is when I say the word belonging or feeling a sense of belonging, what's the first thing or things that come to mind? So when I think of the word belonging, I think of peace, like you're in a place where you feel at peace by being who you are. You're comfortable in your own skin. Um, you're being accepted and you're not worried about acceptance mm -hmm. um, among the community or the place where you are belonging. Um, 
Right. Yes, I think peace and comfort. Yeah, Those sort of that words. sense of safety. Yeah, but yeah. I like that idea of peace and comfort rather than safety because safety is such a broad term, whereas peace and comfort kind of feel a little bit different uh, within yeah. that space yeah. of safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Um, the first question I want to ask you about your work is, so I mentioned preemptive love, but I didn't really say what, it, what they do. Um, it's really an amazing organization for the listeners who have never heard of it. I would highly suggest looking it up and I'll be sure to include all of that in the show notes. But Sadi, can you explain about the organization and also love anyway? Yeah, sure. So um, Preemptive Love is a peacemaking nonprofit. Um, we've been around for about 15 years. Our primary work was in Iraq. Um, and we did a lot of work in Iraq for a while. And since then, we've actually grown to Syria, Le uh, Lebanon. We've done, we're currently doing work on the US-Mexico border in Venezuela, mm -hmm. Honduras. Um, right. So we're, and what that, what that means in, in the peacemaking world is we have like three branches of what we do. So we provide um, relief fast. So when the bombs are still coming down, when there's like earthquakes, what, whatever, what, whatever devastation, whether it be man-made or not, um, when people are really in need, we try to help them with those needs. We help meet those needs. Um, and then we provide help that lasts. And what that means is um, after the effects of war, after the effects of devastation, what do you need to rebuild your lives? So we come along with our friends and we help them figure that out. We help them um, with long-term medical care. We help them um, decide what kind of business they want to start um, and how they want to be at peace in, in the communities that they are in. And usually that usually in those situations, that at peace factor means stability and stability means jobs mm -hmm. and you right. know safety, like you said. And then our last little branch is love anyway, which is um, heal the past. So heal the past. Uh, we are trying to bring people together who, uh, you know, come for the sake of peace, compassion, understanding, empathy. Um, and within our love anyway branch of preemptive love, we have three, three branches underneath that. Uh, we have workshops. Mm -hmm. And I, Eileen, I believe that you were in one of our workshop mm -hmm. series. Um, and it's just right. education, how to become a better peacemaker, how to, uh, you know, help find the needs in your community and come alongside friends that you would normally just walk by and, you know, help foster a more holistic community. Uh, and then we have uh, generation peace, gen peace, as they call it. And that's for our students, for our 16 to 26 year olds who are the future of where this world is going to go. And um, we're just helping them become better activists with love in mind with preemptive love in mind and the last part is gatherings which is what i do and those are our small groups that we help empower um and we support and um we just walk alongside them and listen to their stories and listen to how they are going to spread peace in their communities we started about four years ago officially we had one gathering four years ago 
And since then, we have about 32 of us out there, 32 groups out there. So Amazing. Uh, doing this thing all over the world. Um, we have a couple in Canada. We have one in South Korea. Um, and then we have a couple coming up in Iraq, hopefully, and Philippines. And so we're just super excited. We're just so lucky to be able to do this and to have people who who've have that that heart in them to go into the uncomfortable and be courageous enough to do something different. Yeah, having those courageous conversations is not easy. And what's great about the workshops is it teaches you um, and guides you to be able to be a good listener, to unpack the feelings that, that you know, I, I know when I took it, I unpacked the feelings that I was having, kind of looking closer at where we're at inside in order to be able to really listen and have those conversations that sometimes are, are difficult, often are difficult to have. And I know from your work in your community in the U.S. and in Florida, you've been trying to have those conversations also with your neighbors, with people who normally you wouldn't necessarily sit down with. Can you describe maybe some, some of those situations that you've been in or some of the groups that you've participated with? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, one thing that I wanna say is that we, we value everybody's position. Like, right. And that's what we're really trying to tell people is like we value who you are and in your whole sense, but we want your posture. That's where we feel like the problem is in all of us, whether you're left Mm -hmm. or right, up or down, what's your posture as you come into these conversations, right? Mm -hmm. And we want a posture of humility and learning and um, empathy, not a posture of like my hands are folded and I'm gonna convert you to becoming a Democrat or Republican or whatever. yeah, so in my own community, we began very organically. Um, I don't know if I, in workshops, I share the story of how my friend Anna actually met so randomly. It was after the, the election season uh, four years ago. And I decided that I needed, like my, my family was kind of upset just because of the rhetoric being used around Muslims and right. you know, immigrants and stuff like that. So when the election was called, like my kids were in tears. They're like, mom, what are we going to do? We're going to have to leave. And I'm just like, wait a second. What do you mean we're going to have to leave? We have nowhere to go. Nobody will take us. Like I'm, if I go to Pakistan, um, where I have some family, they're going to be like, what are you doing here? Right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I won't find that belonging that I, that I crave. Right. So I was, and I'm saying this to her, but in my mind, I'm like, holy cow, I don't know what to expect for the next mm-hmm. four years. Like, I don't know what to do. Um, so I had that uneasiness in me as well. Right. And then I'm like, I'm like, let me just go to the gym. So I go to the gym and I meet this person so randomly. She just comes up to me and she's like, you know, I want you to know that I understand what's going on in the world um, and you're not alone. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's what I needed to hear exactly in this moment. And then, you know, I was feeling all this like anxiousness and stuff like it, it totally put my heart at ease. And yeah. so we began this um, friendship and she's just like, 
oh, would you like your friends and my friends to come together? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, I didn't know her. And I'm, but I'm wow. just like, well, let me just try this. Let me just try this. Um, so we started meeting. It was, I brought, in the beginning, I just brought my Muslim friends because I just didn't know what to expect. Like, how can I pitch something to somebody when I don't even know what it is? So I invited <laughs> my true. close five Muslim friends and then she yeah. invited her Christian friends. Like, I believe everybody there was brave and courageous because we we didn't sure. know sure. and I remember the night before we met our first meeting my my friend is texting me and she's like so well, what are we gonna do and I'm like well we're gonna eat <laughs> and we're gonna maybe you know try to have a icebreaker talk a little bit and she's like okay so are they gonna try to convert us and I said I don't know I really don't know if they are because you know this is just somebody I met at the gym she seems nice and I said mm -hmm. all I know is that I'm not there to convert anybody right right yeah so we ha we all had that fear wow and then when we had our first gathering it was beautiful everybody was amazing um it was on international women's day so we had a layer of like oh cool intentionality we made like little takeaways with packs of gum that said women stick together I don't yeah I don't remember <laughs> but um so that was like four years ago and since then like um we meet consistently I have relationships with people who I would have just walked by at Target mm -hmm. smiled maybe because hey I'm friendly right I'm a peacemaker right. I wave yes. at people um no like we have these intentional relationships and intentional conversations um and I remember, honestly, Eileen, our first gathering, I invited my neighbor, very nice lady. Um, and she admitted, she's like in our, she was there and she's like, you know what? Honestly, like when, when I moved into the neighborhood, she's like, oh, wow. Okay. Like, am I allowed to talk to her? Would she be offended if I talked to, talk to her? Oh, wow. And, and I'm like, oh my God, am I that unapproachable? Like, do I give that, give off that vibe? Like, I don't want to give off that vibe. Mm -hmm. And um, she's like, yeah, I just got to know Sadia. And now I know that she's like normal, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, so like, you don't know, like we don't know our blind spots until we realize our blind spots, right? Um, Absolutely. And like, and being exposed to people who you would normally not hang out with, it exposes your blind spots. And and hopefully it, it's, it's a point where you learn that, hey, wait a second. I've never thought about this because I've never really had to. But now I'm thinking about it. And, I've, and I have an appreciation for, for people mm -hmm. who, you know, I would normally not notice. Or, or I would notice but right. have this thought in my head. So, yeah. So stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and we've done, like, intentional conversations in our gatherings where, like, in within five minutes, both people are like looking at each other and they have tears in their eyes just because they have, they're sharing their, their, their stories um, so vulnerably and it just brings in empathy, which is, um, which is fabulous. It's been so awesome. So. Yeah, that's so amazing. Do you have a set of norms or rules when you start? Because I know that you are, say you're intentional about it, but are there things that everybody in the room needs to know before you start having these conversations? Because 
you know, you're being vulnerable and, and you want to be yeah. sure that you're in a safe space, but how, how are you able to arrange that? Yeah. So in the beginning, we really didn't just because we were so grassroots, we were so mm-hmm. two people from the gym. Um, and, and, and it was fine because we took it very slow. It was just about getting mm-hmm. to know each other. But yeah. since then, since um, we joined preemptive love, we sat down and we're like, what would we have liked when we began, right? So we came up with ground rules where we put guardrails up on how we speak to each other, mm-hmm. how we, um, we don't tone police. We, like it's, we have like 12 ground rules basically mm-hmm. that we ask people to follow. And then we have our invitation and the invitation is just the, our intention. So right up front, when we begin a gathering, we read this invitation and it just says nice. why we're here, what our purpose is and um, what the expectations are. So that way people aren't like, oh, this is, they're going to sell me Mary Kay or, oh, they're going to mm. do something else. Or like, try to convert me. <laughs> or try to convert me. <laughs> right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, and, and, I, and I say convert, like convert can be anything. Like sure. I convert me to becoming more liberal or being becoming mm-hmm. more conservative like for sure um, yeah so we are there for the sake of peace and for the sake of understanding so we try to make it clear and um and i think it really sets the tone that we want everybody to understand yeah and then we invite people in we we tell them that like we're not there mm-hmm. to we don't have any ulterior motives except to get to know each other in intentional relationships and friendships Right. Yeah. And to become community, you know, to create that sense of belonging within your community, because you've listened to each other, you've accepted each other, you validated each other's feelings. I love, you know, at the beginning, you said, we don't, we accept all viewpoints, we accept everybody, we know that, you know, that's kind of what makes the world go round, right? We're all different. Mm -hmm. We come from different places. But the idea of these gatherings is to sit down and have that ability to be able to say, well, I don't agree with you, but I respect your opinion. Yeah. Or to, to, for the other person to say, you know what? I see your point of view. I have to really come away from it and think about it more and see how I really feel about that. That's, right. that's the whole idea. That's the whole part of the respecting and learning. And we used to be able to do that. And it's sad that we've gotten to the point that, uh, that we're not. And so having these kinds of gatherings with intention is a wonderful way to bring that back into and to model for your, your children. So your two daughters are old enough to know what, you know, what you do and what are they, what are their feelings about it? And are they involved also in that kind of work? Yeah. Um, I think with kids, it's hard to get them to appreciate the Mm -hmm. way we, like I always say, I always, I'm always lecturing because I'm a mom, right? Um, Right. (laughs) But I feel like at the age and stage that I am, I try to project what I've learned over the years and to try to tell them. But amongst all the polarization, I feel like there is a movement of love and a movement of acceptance and a, Mm -hmm. um, a movement of like advocacy that I feel like my generation probably didn't have, right? Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, I don't, the Instagram world is, mm-hmm. is so vast. And so there, there are like 
I think they have an opportunity to make a change in a different way. Mm-hmm. And I think they will. I think a lot of these kids will because um, they are being exposed to so much and being aware of so much. Um, and I think the internet is, has been just a game changer because it's made the world that was so vast, like so small, right? Like yes, at your fingertips, you could talk to somebody from Hong Kong, like, you know, or Kuwait. So, <laughs> or, or Kuwait. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I think these kids are definitely going to be movers and shakers. Um, my daughter, my older daughter, she's in, interested in political um, science. So that's, that's mm-hmm. her field of study. And I think she's really into climate change. And you know what? It all relates to, to peace and mm-hmm. justice and all that. It's all intertwined. And Absolutely. my younger one, she's, she's 14. So um, she has, she's very empathetic in nature so mm-hmm. i feel like hopefully she she will do good things as she sees what the world is and how the world needs more of that so. yeah well they certainly have a great model in their mom and and oh you're and somebody who's <laughs> somebody who's a good ancestor also trying to you know make the world more sustainable and and leaving a legacy to to the future generations so yeah so so that's really really I amazing yeah. Um, one of the things I wanted to, to really emphasize, I know you're, in, you're involved in the gathering and the peacemaking side of preemptive love, but one of the things that attracted me to, to donate and really support on a regular basis the organization was the grassroots kind of movement that they have. Yes, they have groups in the United States and of course, Jeremy and Jessica Courtney, who, who started all of this, are there on the ground in Iraq. They live there with their children. But the idea is let's ask the people who are there to what they need and how they can help themselves. And then we'll sort of bring in the help with the you know, donations and, and expertise and things like that. But it's very grassroots. It's not this parachuting of help and then mm. leaving. Um, yeah. And that's what's why I believe it's so successful. Because when I started supporting just within the last couple of years, I think it was probably a year and a half or two years ago, I found out about preemptive love. It's expanded the way you've mentioned phenomenally. Um, and I think that's as a result of the fact that it is working uh, because there are so many organizations, as Jeremy was saying, just I, I watched him a couple of weeks ago, that it's, it's really on the ground where many of the international organizations have had to leave yeah. because they have so many locals that are working with it. So in terms of preemptive love, they're, you know, they're, they're really amazing. And the, this extension of the gatherings and the peacemaking is really a result of that vision that we can't have one without the other because you're just going to, you know, keep having wars if, if you don't have the peacemaking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, um, and that's one of the things that I fell in love with too when I learned about preemptive love is the way that they come alongside people mm-hmm. who need to rebuild, right? Right. It's not, like you said, it's not, they're throwing mattresses into the 
refugee camp and they're just bolting. Um, we take time to sit with our friends and talk to them and give them the dignity they deserve in all of this, you know? Yes. Um, so that's been so like every time they share a story, I'm like, yeah, this is where it's at. Right. This is, I mean, honestly, like when there's a crisis, you need to get things done, right. You need to, but after the crisis, how do you rebuild in an honorable Mm -hmm. way? You treat them like your friends because they are your friends and we've worked hard to establish these relationships and it's not, um, and we're a coalition, right? Preemptive love coalition. Coalition means we we don't mind partnering with people who are already on the ground in their own communities doing the work, you know. So all of this all of this goes hand in hand. So yeah, the realization that we're a community, and yeah. the only way that really we can exist is to coexist. Right? Exactly. So what are some practical ways? I know this is a really broad question, but what are some practical ways that we can make the world a better place? And what can we teach children about that? So you, you've talked about, um, you know, one of the things is the workshops, which I know you've also been involved with. And, but what are some things that you can think of that we could do on a practical level that you've even done? Um, besides having these conversations, maybe I'm not comfortable enough to, mm-hmm. to re- reach out yet. What, what are some things that I could do to get started? Um, to get started on your peacemaking journey, I believe that the first step is to learn how to be a better listener. I think that's mm-hmm. step one, right? right? Step two is if you if you can't do the big thing, if you can't start a gathering or whatever, that's fine. My advice is like to reach out to your neighbor who you feel like might use a friend, right? I feel like these days, I mean, especially with COVID and stuff, we are very quarantined and stuff. Hopefully Mm -hmm. that's taking a turn for the better now with the vaccine, Um, but reach out to a friend. And like, you know, my whole journey started with a stranger just coming up to me and being like, I see you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I, I can't say that enough. Like, I know it's uncomfortable, but you never know what beauty will come out of it. You know, Um, be involved in your community. That's the other thing. Like, like, I feel like we, we kind of go through life and kind of do what we do. But Mm -hmm. if we start appreciating things with intentionality and being aware, like putting on that lens of wait, am I really paying attention to the environment around me? Um, you'll see things that you would normally n- not see. Um, mm-hmm. And and then, you know, start a beautiful relationship with somebody who you would like normally just smile at or, you know, so uh, yes. I think that's important. Reading, po- like reading is important. Podcasts, there's so many podcasts you can listen mm-hmm. to. Books are amazing too, but as far as like in your own community, I try to have intentional relationships with people who may not look like you, think like you, believe like you, um, because you never know. You never know what what beauty you'll find, and then you you'll learn your blind spots. And I think that there's there's growth in that. There's growth in the uncomfortable. So yeah, get uncomfortable. Yes, and we all have blind spots. 
we all have blind spots. It doesn't matter who we are, where yeah. we're from, yeah. whether we have privilege or not. We, we all okay. have those blind spots. You know, when you, I, I notice myself sometimes when I'm walking down the street or when I used to walk down the street before COVID yeah. uh, and I would pass by someone and I would, I would catch myself assuming something about mm -hmm. that person what they were wearing or how they looked or, or whatever, uh, what I maybe have had heard, overheard them saying as I passed by. And, you know, checking myself and saying, why am I thinking that? But I, I don't think I would have ever done that before had I not really been involved with this kind of work. Um, so we, we all have to, even, you know, I, I was telling a group yesterday, I always thought I was really woke, but mm -hmm. I'm not not as woke as I thought I was. We, we all have things that we can learn about and know more about ourselves so that we can be better with others. For educators, I know you're not, you know, your work isn't necessarily in the schools, but they do have the program, which is for the 16 to 25 year olds. What kind mm -hmm. of work is that? And what, what are the hopes for, for the, the youth? Yeah, I think for them, um, we, we, we are trying to just ha encourage them to become better activists, peacemaking activists. Mm -hmm. And we want, like, I feel like kids often feel like, well, I'm young, I don't know anything, or I'm going to be talked over by people who are older, or who have been doing um, this stuff more than I have. Right. Uh, we want to let them know that, you know, their voice matters in all of this. Mm -hmm. They have the the capability the potential to do amazing things and even the most littlest thing what they may think is the most little th littlest thing is just um an opportunity for for greatness like you, mm -hmm. we shouldn't discount discount the little things either um and then like how to become active in your campus your community your schools right. um yeah their programming is going to be amazing they they just had an event, it was called Speak Your Peace, and they had um, an activist who was also an amazing illustrator. She was the guest speaker, and she just said, like, look, you can use your talents to help spread peace. It doesn't have to look one way or another wow. way. So, um, yeah, so just the same encouragement and, um, and to form this community of, like, wow, it's not just me that's doing this alone. Right. Like there's like hundreds and thousands of us that are, you know, in this and want yeah. to create a better world. Yeah, and, and the idea of not staying silent because the silence is, is what has sort of, I don't like to say helped, but helped get us here to this yeah. point. We yeah. need to really begin to speak up, but then we need to know how to speak up and right. when to listen and how to listen. Listening is not an easy thing. I, I know that I, uh, I always thought I was a really good listener. And then uh, the superintendent that I worked under when I first became a principal sat me down one day after I had been with a parent and she was, was there in the meeting. And she said to me, Eileen, I, I just want to tell you something. I hope you don't get offended, but you're, you're not really good at listening. And I was like, what? <laughs> And she said, you talked over the parent many times. And I said, well, I didn't want to forget 
what I was going to say. And she said, you know, you just need to hope that you don't forget, but if you forget, it's okay because you need to let people finish their thoughts. And I remember trying it after that with a parent in a, in a meeting I had separate from the superintendent and it was really amazing. I, at the end of the conversation, well, it wasn't a conversation. I was mostly listening to the parent talking about her second grader and she was upset at the teacher and all that. And, and at the end I said to her, so what would you like me to do? And she said, Nothing. I just wanted to make sure you knew about it. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself after she walked out the door, oh my gosh, if I had interrupted her, I probably would have escalated the situation. Right, right, right. Yeah. So the listening part is so, so important. I'll never forget that. That was like 20 years ago. But what it was a, an important what an lesson. amazing thing. Yeah. 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 And it's a muscle. It's like anything. If you don't use it, if you don't mm -hmm. practice, if you don't if you're not aware, you're not gonna, it's just gonna atrophy, right? So. Yeah, and knowing the right way to use it, really. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. Yeah, because some, sometimes we just listen to respond and not listen to understand, right? And that's yes. like, I'm thinking of what I'm gonna say next, what I'm gonna say next, right? And we're not paying attention. Yep, so. I was famous for that. And I always thought I was listening but I didn't realize that it made me, it made me much better. And then of course, taking the workshop, which I hope people will think about. Um, and again, I'll put that in the show notes. Taking the workshop was very helpful also because there are other tips and other understandings about, um, about ourselves and how we react in situations of difficult or, or courageous conversations. Mm -hmm. So Sadia, this has been really awesome. Is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners or any other advice um, about anything in terms of your work or in terms of belonging or in terms of things that you feel are really important for people to know right now? I would tell people to just hang in there. I know we're all going through like a rough time mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, be accepting of what we're doing, uh, you know, like, I think, I think we all need to give ourselves some grace and space through this yes. past year. Um, and then like, if they're interested, I would love for them to hop on a workshop. So we have four different times that you can pick from. It's four weeks, one hour a week. Uh, if we would love to have anybody and everybody there. So I think that's it for me. Um, and then if you wanna start a peacemaking gathering, like definitely reach out to, to us. We will support you. We will walk alongside you. We'll be as hands-on or hands-off as you need. We just so believe in this stuff and we feel like um, this is where we feel like we can help make a change, so. Absolutely. And so that leads into where can people find you if they wanna get in touch with you, if they have questions about preemptive love, but especially about gatherings and the workshops. Um, they can email me, Sadia, S-A-A-D-I-A dot Q-U-R-E-S-H-I at preemptivelove.org or um, just head over to our website, www.loveanyway.com and just click contact us and we'll, we'll come, we'll reach out to you. Sounds great. Oh, this was terrific. Thank you so know, much for joining I, I me. So we, we have been talking about this for a while and it's been hard to coordinate our schedules, but thank you so much, Sadia. 
No, thank you. And um, thank you for making this so easy. I was nervous. <laughs> um, I love talking to you. You're amazing. And thank you thank for you. putting this together and featuring people who are amazing. I started listening to your other podcasts and all, all of your guests are so fabulous. And I'm glad they're able to share their story with the world. Awesome. And now we can add you to the list. <laughs> I'm not as awesome as them, but um, I would love to meet new people. It's my, it's my passion, I feel. so Absolutely. And you're terrific at it, Sadia. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Th thanks again. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you're inspired by what you heard, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about belonging, check my website, Journeys to Belonging, that's Journeys number two belonging, dot webstarts.com. See you next week.